Radio presenting is a form of therapy for people who are escaping their lives. I do think it has given me a different perspective on my job. It makes you care about every single person you're speaking to. It's got to a point where in the show that I'm doing now, which is a daily show, I genuinely feel for the people that I'm speaking to. When they're messaging me on a daily basis, telling me about what's happening in their lives, I genuinely care. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Indian Dots Podcast. I don't know where I'm looking, but you will know that I'm looking at you, people. Haru, thank you for joining us. This guy is so happy you're here. I, I'm so happy I'm here, but Indy, I've never seen you like this. What do you mean? I've never seen you in action. So oh, I've known Indy for years. Oh, you have. We went to uni together. You have, yes. You you have seen me throughout my entire career. Peter Roo. <laughs> but I've never seen you in um, podcast action mode. Why? Because I split the switch real quick. And now all of a sudden I've changed compared to how it was about he's one minute. He's a different man. Like, <laughs> man on camera compared to what he is in reality. It's now I'm joking. <laughs> Burst performance indie. For yeah. those that don't know, you might be thinking how we know Haroon. I know Haroon from university. Don't know where I'm looking again. I know him from university. He's been one of my first mates since. And I'm really happy he's here because this is the super, super happening. This yeah, is the collaboration. For those who don't know, Varun works at the Asian Network. He has a show Monday to Saturday. Yeah. He has one every day at what time? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. until 2. Monday to Friday, I'm 11 till 3. Right. Saturday, I'm 11 till 1. Right. Saturday. This guy works six days a week. Hmm. He's my version of a modern day hustler because he works <laughs> his absolute ass off. I saw him. Every time you look at his Instagram, I feel like I'm not working enough. Genuinely. No, your, your pace, your pace, you're working at is relentless. I don't think I can really compete. I go to work and yeah. sit in front of a microphone and just talk, which is quite literally what I'm doing right now. You save people's lives. Yeah, no, not really though. Yeah, no, but you do save. People's I do lives. tell this to people all the time. When you become a doctor, you have the feeling that you're going to save lives. I know yeah. days where I actually save someone's life, like the heart's about to stop, or you know the heart does stop. But most of the time, it's like. Let's increase the tablet or yeah, you don't need to be here or just go home and go here. But yeah, I know what you mean. No, I like thinking that you say people's You must say people's lives though. Yeah, yeah. No, what I mean is when you when you say that phrase, what do you actually mean when you say it? I mean what do you that think? what comes I um uh, let's get deep real quick. Right. I think my role in society is quite frivolous and meaningless okay. because I just talk. Right. You do something tangibly to save people's lives be that increase their medication be that uh diagnose whatever illness they might have mm. or do you operate as well no okay but whatever it is that you do you are saving people's lives i'm not saving people's lives how do you kill that apparently <laughs> <laughs> i think look, when you're in something in the same way you feel how you don't do whatever you don't do Haroon, i would look at you and say actually you have a platform you have an audience which you engage and you actually talk about real issues and you made the conversation bigger than it is. That's what I think. I don't I get about real issues. You I, do, I, yeah, yesterday I was eating gulgapi at work. Like, I, t- I don't talk about real issues. Well, I'm the same room. My headphones, I'm not lying. <laughs> Honestly. And I'd say in the same way, like, you know, with this podcast, okay, there are times where we go deep, right? And Indy, Indy's not prepared for a normally, and he'll just that's a bit. No, no, like, you're upset from what I say to you, because I, I'm like, girl, I feel like this, and you're like, whoa, I'm wearing Mickey Mouse's right now. Why are you saying Yeah, and we went deep on that point. Right, there you go. But other times are really, really light. So I feel like you have that skill level now. You've been in the game a long time, whereas you can dip and dip in out of it. But actually, the skill of keeping things relatable, that's a skill. So when I look at you and I'm like, okay, why is he engaging? If I really think about it from that level, what is it that I like watching about Haroon? It's like, actually, I like listening to him and he feels easy. 
And so when we think about, well, how do you scale the podcast? How do you get to the point where people are listening and there's a real you know, niche audience? It's that. It's, and the, the best compliments we've had, the messages, the private DMs, the ones that people don't comment are always, yeah, I'm listening to you and I'm into the, you know, the bed sheets. I'm listening to you as I'm walking to you. And they're she. Yeah, that person was like, no, Brenda. But she didn't say she was under the bed sheet. She, she did. She said was, I'm in bed and I'm risking. No, no, no. no. If she's in bed, then she's under yeah, the bed sheet. Yeah, right. That's, oh, no, 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 no. That's your imagination. That's his imagination. I didn't say it. Word for verbatim, we can bring it up. She specifically said, I'm not going to get a deal. You know, Linda, go on, keep this thing. Honorable shout out to you. <laughs> I don't want the sound to go out, so I listened under the bed sheet. So I was like, that's so specific, but it's so real. Yeah. And I was like, Indy, this is impact. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. And you've had that on a daily basis. Well, but he, he, but he had an impact on us, actually. I want to just stop you for a sec. I know you want to say something. I owe you, and he owes you, without knowing it, a word of thanks. Because the first person I spoke to about this podcast was yourself. And we've spoken about this, and you're very hesitant to accept the praise. But genuinely, that conversation I had with you on the phone, where I said, Haru, I want to start a podcast. And you were like, okay. You do what you want <laughs> and you said, okay, this is what you need to know. X, Y, and Z. It's more of a, what did I say to you, you said to me, having a little segment on a show is like an acceleration. This is like a marathon. So imagine you're on an incline on a treadmill and you're walking up it. Did I, say I remember this? those did words. I, I, I do not remember I remember this. those words. I don't I, I, I make that up. Right. I, I, I think like Indy, I've known for <laughs> oh, well over 10 years. I don't, I don't know how many years. I don't know how many years. It's been a lot of it's years. It's been 12 years, mate. 12 years. So I've known you since pretty much, I think the first month of university. Yes. Pretty much yes. since then. And you are a hustler like you've chosen to do things that go against the grain of doing things traditionally mm. you're doing something now completely different to what you were planning on doing when you were at university let's be honest when you go and study geography at university <laughs> if you're not going to become a geography teacher everything is against the green man but if you find out what Haroon's course is it's very different you wouldn't guess it i tell you what i'll give you three guesses um do you know what i studied at university okay i want your graduation he did come to my graduation. Graduation. Yeah, his order was congratulating the same week, but I still went to. Yeah, you went to business politics, I mean. No, 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 no. English, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is in there? English literature is one part. Use a question. Yeah, I'm not going to guess the words, but English literature is in there. I'm English literature sham film is what I did. Oh, that's okay. That's not too dissimilar. Yeah, yeah. Look, geography versus what you do now. Yeah, you know, every possible. two years, oh, I want a life change. Dude, our conversation that we had when Indy called me, yeah. I was firstly super impressed that you wanted to do a podcast. Mm. Secondly, I was more than happy to give you any sort of advice that I could, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't sure how it would pan out. Because you, I did not have you down as a podcaster to begin I with. I didn't either, but I wanted to do it. And I've said this a few times. I wanted to do it to prove a point to myself because- I remember you saying this. Because I've had that stutter, which you guys have probably seen over the years. It's always been there as an un underlying problem that I've had and it's never gone away. So for me, Miles, I thought this is a way to just let that go and to try and be more confident within myself and just speak. Did so- How long have you learned Indy? 2014. Yeah. The first time he met me, he didn't like me. And I'm not sure if you had the same you know the story. No, go on. What's your story first? Then I'll tell you. Okay, sweet. Oh, so we're on the punk rock scene. Yeah. Everyone in, uh, we know is from the punk rock scene at some point. And I, for whatever reason, I think I basically changed jobs, saving lives. And I couldn't do one of the punk rock Changed jobs, saving lives in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So Indy got drafted into this team that I was part of. And uh, so I've never met Indy. And then he got injured. That was right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Interrupt. So then I got called back like, two, three weeks before the comp, like, can you come and do like a, you know, quick fill-in? So I came just to have a look and see what the scene was. So I walk in and then Mandy walk onto the mat. Obviously meet the guys I know. I can see he's there. 
walks up and he doesn't introduce himself. Yeah, yeah, you, you're going to have to learn this. Yeah, you, you. So I woke up to my friend Qatar and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was this dickhead, man. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I think for the next several months, I just did not like Indy. Yeah, he didn't. Um, he didn't. Yeah. And you know, me and his wife, like we talk about his, like she says the same thing, she didn't really like him. I've not met anyone who actually likes him when they first meet him. But I said to him, the reason why, looking back at it now, many, many, many years on that, this is 2014 when we met, it's because Indy had this need to start mirroring people he was around and trying to do that. Oh, this is turning into like an analysis and therapy session. Kind of weird. It's really but, interesting. But now what I said to him, now in the last, I'd say definitely in the last couple of years, because mm-hmm. now we're obviously a lot closer, I said the, the best thing I've seen in you is your ability to express your authentic self, which is something, you know, about the coaching that I That actually happened after about Merrick. Sanjay has been a big catalyst for you. The podcast has been a catalyst for you. But it's nice now that when I'm in your space, you hold your space. You have a better understanding of what it means to be indie. And it's not lying on who you're with, who your company is. You have clarity on the people who are close to you. I've seen that. I've watched that happen. And so now I like you. And I don't tell you that often. Oh, he finally said it. I think that everybody in Indy's life would probably say something similar. Yeah, they probably would. Because the Indy today is super different yep. to the Indy 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I still like that Indy 12 years ago. Okay. <laughs> and became, like we became friends, so we clearly, like, I clearly liked the Indy then as well. Mm-hmm. And we've been we've been on holidays together. Yeah, yeah. But then I think the Indy today, I think you, you phrased it really well, is like your, your, your full authentic self. That's what he said. He, yeah. he loves that phrase, man. He says it in Super Podcast, yeah. Maybe Bruce Lee said it, man. The first impression, did you actually think I was all right or did you think I was a knob? Because didn't, everyone else I met, Naren, yeah. etc., they were like, he's a knob. No, no, I didn't dislike you. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't dislike you. That's a step up from the feedback of, oh, you all take it. Indy and I became friends at uni um, through a bigger group of friends. friends. Right? So we were going to see each other every night out. We went on and we were... We were out every single night. We were going to see each other. Just week, everything, yeah. Yeah, so there was no way that we could not not get on. Mm. But then we became friends. But after uni, that's when you kind of test your sentiment of when you're on brothers with someone. Yeah. And I think with me and you, we kind of not drifted, but we just didn't see each other that much. Yeah. Because I was in Birmingham, you were in London. Yeah. And then we reconnected on Naren Stagnu, if you think about it. Yeah, the, Prague, 2018. Prague, 2017, 18. Yeah. yeah. That was when we properly like saw each other again. I was like, oh, but that's when you were a different person. But that's because I changed jobs, been traveling, come back. And I was like, yeah, I'll do so. Indy is the perfect Bollywood film. You know the Bollywood oh, film man. where um, the main character goes and discovers himself. <laughs> it's okay. Diwali Dunele is He goes traveling. DDLJ, this, yeah. it's this dude, man. He's a little banjo. Oh, I've got one better. Watch oh. a film called Tamasha with okay. Rambir Kapoor in it and Deepika, uh, Deepika Badukon. I'm definitely watching this guy Deepika on it. Yeah. Uh, you are basically. Uh, that, <laughs> you are basically. You know that, that character no, no. to discover his. Wake up, say, Wake up, Wake up, Sid. It's all rhythms. Are you Rambir Kapoor in disguise? That's him, Rambir What match you are, man. I'll take him. But he's a bit different though. But you are uh, quite Rambir Kapoor. You know what's mad? I don't know half the films you guys are talking about, but I'm glad that you two do. Yeah, I know what he's talking about, so which makes me quite happy. What? That everyone else understands the Bollywood references. I don't know a lot of them. I know the classics, like classic classics. K3G. I did yeah. make you watch some like uni. He did make you watch quite a few. That de- that Delhi Belly film. Have you made him watch uh, Amir Khan films? Amir Khan produced Delhi Belly, which I made him watch at uni. That was. But has he seen Amir Khan films? Have you seen Amir Khan films? Topperly. Rangade Basanti, Tarazimin Par. Three, three, three idiots. You must have seen three idiots, man. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. Okay. I remember I said that to you. You're like, what? You seen three idiots? I thought, yeah, of course I have. Great film. 
First of all, how did you make it into the Asian networks? I never actually understood this. When I met you, you were working there. I was. At the beginning. But how did you make it into that space? I was this? 16 years old. One, one, six. Okay. I was doing uh, media studies GCSE. Yeah. Yeah. And they took us to the BBC on a school trip. Uh, to Television Centre in White City, opposite Westfield, that famous building. Yeah. And I used to listen to the Asian Network as a teenager. And I used to, on a Saturday morning, listen to a show called Love Bollywood, presented by Raj and Pablo. I didn't know them apart, but I knew they were Raj and Pablo. And in the lobby of the BBC when I was on school trip, mm. I saw one of them in the lobby and shouted, Raj, Pablo, one of them, res like they responded yeah, to one yeah. of the names. Turned out to be Raj. Mm. Uh, told him that I love Bollywood. Mm. Uh, I don't know why, but he was like, do you want to come and review a film on our sh uh, show? And wow. um, whoa, gave me the email address of a of a producer on yeah. the show. And then I emailed the producer, um, came in and reviewed a film. I was terrible. At 16? Uh, no, I was 17 now. Like by, that, by the time it evolved from the school trip to the email. the email to eventually getting in, I had probably just turned 17. Okay, let's just dissect this. So at that point, yeah. were you like, this is endgame, this is where I want to be? No, or no, I had absolutely zero um, ambition of getting into radio at that point. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I would ah. quite like to have directed films That's at that age. I can see you do. And a little hat in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was what I wanted to do. But I did love Bollywood, yeah. and I did love movies, and I was good at media studies. So I was like, "This is a great little opportunity." Who else my age is going into the BBC of reviewing films? Yeah, um, and I was just lucky that my parents were mm. uh, supportive enough to encourage that. Like my, like we lived in Northamptonshire, so my parents had to drive down to London to make me. To, for me to be able to even go in and review those films that I did at that time. Oh, so yeah. school was in Northampton, it wasn't London? No, so I lived in West London, then I moved to Northamptonshire, Got it. and then I moved back to London after that. But uh, yeah, essentially managed to go in and review a film. And when I went in, I just inquired like, oh, uh, is it possible for me to come and shadow the show and see how it works behind the scenes? I was like... 17. Yeah, I was really intrigued by this world and these Curious. radio studios and how this all works. And it was a massive building. And I remember yeah. like just the fact that this was in the same space that all these TV shows were made. And this was the same space that all these big celebrities came into. Mm. It was really um, exciting and fun. And um, I did a few more reviews and eventually they said I could come in and shadow a show. That's how I started. And that was the end. That was the end. Wow. That was the end. Tell me back into your parents. I'm interested in this now. So you're brown, you're Asian. The talk in your house growing up, have you been given, this is what you need to be career-wise talk or is follow your passion? What's the what's the home talk? So it was always follow your passion, but I think it was follow your passion because it couldn't be, this is what you have to do because my dad's a graphics designer. So oh, he'd nice. already, okay, okay. he had already broken the, the door. Yeah. yeah, I think his parents wanted him to be a doctor <laughs> okay, and he became a graphics bad. designer. So then there was no real like- There's no leg to stand on. Yeah, there was nothing that they could say to me. He did, there was a huge emphasis on studying academia yeah and there was a huge emphasis on getting good grades but mm -hmm. beyond that there wasn't really uh you have to do this yeah not these three jobs yeah i don't think my dad was or my mom were very over the moon that i did choose to do english literature and film at uni but um they weren't dismissive of it either mm. 
mean, I remember at one point my dad telling me to study like philosophy and PP. Poly- yeah PP and I was like yeah that, that's not gonna happen you know, I failed economics <laughs> twice I, my, I, I got an this is how bad it was I did it as an AS level I yeah. think because my dad told me to do it yeah. and the and in my AS level I got an E and I had to retake it during A2 and then I got a U so it got worse. worse. Yeah, that was with the next year. Trust him for what? I just it wasn't gonna happen. I've interest. You look like I know this because my friend had this. You know what the U stands for? Uh, isn't it unmarked? No. What is it? Unclassified. Unclassified. Whoa! No, it's so it's so bad that we can't even give you a grade. Unclassified. But do you do you think that Go. you can build an inclination towards a certain subject, or do you think that you naturally have a Talent or interest you in a certain you can build it. Because so I could have been good at each other. You could have because <laughs> I've only on the amount of time you put in something. But I think people have a natural flair. I enjoyed yeah. science; like it made sense. I didn't have to work extra hard. But I had to work hard, obviously, get much better at it. You I grammar school, so you're naturally smart. When you hang on, when you mm. pass the eleven plus, there is a standard, and the standard is you've made it now into that. And you passed eleven plus. But remember, most people yeah. that get into eleven plus, they get there because they've been coached for many, many yeah, years. Yeah, but they still apply themselves quickly in a small period of time to make that intelligence level that classifies and gets you through the threshold. Right, gets you through the threshold, but it's not everything because there's people in my year, there's ninety six boys in our year, and okay, there were people who got you know a higher mark than me, say eleven plus, but academically they weren't very good. They were just very good at the eleven plus exam. It's a different. It's just a different test. Yeah, I I trained to do the eleven plus. Mm. Like I was going for tutoring, but That's then I never it, actually yeah. did it because we moved to Northamptonshire. So. There's a catchment area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I escaped it. So I had that. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. I was really bad at the eleven plus, and I didn't do well. But then I I was shit. Then your parents put you in a private school. So thank you. But I was really bad at maths, and even in the school I went to, I was still bad at maths. And then I got a tutor, and he taught me a different way of doing maths that made it more fun than to work with my sort of way I thought. Like that's he really a, a, honed in on a point. This is why you need to watch Tadas and Input. This is what it's about. Why? This is what it's about. There's a kid in there. He's dyslexic. He's not diagnosed. I mean, Khan spots this. He teaches him in a different way. He connects. He becomes his mentor. And I know in my life, like, you know, personally speaking, there's two or three teachers who I'm still, I speak to you today from secondary school who just, you know, they saw it. They pushed me. They got me to a higher level. And I'll never forget that. So he yeah. sorted me out and managed to get me a really good grade in, in maths. I, I got an A. I never thought that was possible. But because he taught me, yeah. I liked it. Then I thought, I'm not doing this at A level, I'm not going to do that again. But at least, <laughs> yeah, I, at least that's, you know, no, no, no. I did it for GCSE. Yeah. But I wasn't going to do it for A level. But you got the A level, that was the point. Yeah, I got the A. So what did you do for your A levels? I did geography, geography, business, religious studies. And I did podcasting. Uh, I wish I did podcast. I'll be way ahead. Beard and Ruth. chemistry, because I was told to take a science. Okay. Yeah, because you're Asian, man. Yeah. So were you both told this is what you need to do? No, because my brother and sister, my brother had been a pharmacist, my sister was doing optometry. My mum had a pharmacy. Just keep it all Because they're like two out of three and bad, isn't it? Yeah. Six or six percent. That's like a, that's a mind you one. That's a high two one slash first. Yeah, you're fine. I mean, you could have done anything, to be honest with you, because you said things had it covered. But I felt like an idiot because at our uni, we, me and you, I think, were the only one I have a friendship group that qualified, sorry, that sent QM as our first choice. No one else had it there. Everyone came through well, clearing. These are the backups. They all came through clearing. I mean, this was my backup, though. We, what? We, 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 as in, it, Here we go. Breaking, breaking news. I think that's my first choice, only because Kings rejected me. But Casey, <laughs> I, I wanted to go. Wait, hang on. They rejected you for the first application? They rejected me based on my predicted grades. That's fine. But I got those grades. I just want you to know, Kings, <laughs> I could have been yours, and you rejected me. <laughs> 
So technically, QM was your first choice because I knew all Hindi. By default, by default, it was still first choice. It was first choice. Yeah, but everyone else, I didn't worry. You know, I understand what he's saying. Did you have to be a doctor? No. Okay, so I grew up in a family where there were a lot of doctors, a lot of dentists, and actually until six one, I wanted to be a dentist firmly. And that is a work experience with my tatcha, and I was like, this is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> That's part of it. And then, now this sounds super cliche, and you know, my dad was like, make sure you don't write this in your personal statement or tell anybody in your medical interviews. But when I was in India, we used to go to India every year, six weeks, holidays, we were there, all our mom's family's there. And during one of those visits, we went to Hermantha Sub, called Temple. And when I was sitting there, I was just you know meditating, and it just came to me very, very clearly, you should be a doctor, not a dentist. That's how how old are you? So that was 17, whatever the age is, 16. Bro, nobody has that much clarity. No one has that. 16. That's that, way ahead of you. At that moment, I was like, okay, it felt like, you know, inspired action. I was like, you should be a doctor. But I enjoyed it. There was no, you have to be a doctor. But my general inclination, now mom, mom showed me some stuff a couple of weeks ago. We cleared in the house. They're like drawings when I was really young. And it was like drawings of like giving people injections and things like that. I was like, oh, free. I will grow up and be a doctor. And I was like, obviously, I have no recollection. Oh, so. wow. But it's interesting looking back at it, and then the whole bigger question then becomes, you know, is everything preordained? Is this all written? How much... What was you there? Did your parents want you to be a doctor? Like, ever? Did they mention anything about it? Because I know your parents are proud of it, but were they ever, like, saying... So why not? My knowledge is a doctor. Okay, so when you were asleep at night time, do you think came and whispered in the year? Oh, so, like, suggesting... I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah, like... And that's it. Conditioning. He woke up with the the conditions. But why were you drawing pictures of people giving people injections? That's the other. That's that. In a freaky. That is a bit weird. That is a bit weird. It was the uh, you know it was in vitamin injections, whatever it could be. Oh, I had a stethoscope on. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I wouldn't say I was ever pushed, but it felt very natural. And I think for me, right now, I'm 33 years old now, and outside of medicine, I have various other projects. I do podcasts, being one of them, and it's taken me until this age to realize the things that I like to put my time, effort, energy into have to roll around helping people. So a lot of doctors, you know, a lot of doctors I work with, they go through burnout. It's not a, it's not a secret thing. You can see doctors are protesting, nurses are protesting. It's horrible to work in the NHS. I don't work full-time in the NHS. That's the reason why. But the mindset shift came when I realized that if I go to work, say people's lives, but go with the mindset of, I have to do this, I'll be dookie all day. Yeah. If I go with the mindset, I get to do this, privilege, honor to do this. My mindset's completely different. I enjoy what I do. And that's what I had to change. But now when I look at, see, the podcast for me is somebody listens, they get something helpful, it makes their day. That's me doing my CLI from this you know, angle. And the same with my medicine, the same with everything I do. So that's how I look at things now. And that's the way I don't get FOMO or regret. When people come to me with projects or business ideas, it's like, well, does it align with me helping people? Yes or no. If it does, let's have a conversation. If it doesn't, you're still doing like the most uh, selfless job of the table. <laughs> I would say. I would say. But I think that with yours, yours is the fight. Yours is the clearest form of escapism possible, which is you give people a release in their day mm. when they're at work to have something that's fun, relatable, enjoyable, and just nice to listen to. Do you know? I've started thinking like that now. But did I didn't think that at the beginning. No, I told you that from day dot. No, I think. Um, but again, outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I used to when I first started. Um, so obviously I, I was at uni at the same time. I was freelancing at that time at the Asian Network. Working on weekends. I was working, I was working on weekends. Yeah. By second year of uni, I was working on the breakfast show. So I was waking up at 5 a.m. Second and third year of I uni. I remember those tabs you used to get. Yeah, working pretty much like throughout um, mo- Monday to Friday, I'd be working from 5 a.m. Plus your uni stuff. Plus I'd go to uni, yeah. which is why I did really badly at uni because it was so secondary in my list what of you priorities were. to what I was doing. But 
But for the longest time, I was just having the best time doing yeah. it. I was enjoying myself. It was a fun job. Mm. It was um, it was just exciting. It was the most exciting job I could think of. And then recently, I think as you get older, you start thinking, what is my purpose in life? Ikigai, the Japanese, my reason to be. What am I providing the world the value through my yeah. being? Mm. Is there any value is exactly like, is there any value to what I am doing? Like, as in, if I stopped doing this tomorrow, would it make any difference, right? And you, you start questioning things. And I think only recently have I started thinking, actually, mm. radio presenting is a form of therapy for people who are who are escaping, like you yeah. said, their lives. I don't carry that with any sort of... Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think about that actively, mm. but I do think it has given me a different perspective on my job, certainly. But it, the worrying thing with that is that it makes you care about every single person you're speaking to. You get intentional, very intentional. It's worrying. It's worrying <laughs> because it, because as much because it's got to a point where in the show that I'm doing now, which is a daily show, um, I genuinely feel for the people that I'm speaking to. So I genuinely have concern for them. I genuinely yeah, it's a have real emotional happiness for them. When they're messaging me on a daily basis, oh, telling me about what's happening in their lives, I genuinely care. Mm. And then you get messages in that are from people who are telling you how you have positively impacted their lives. Mm. And then you start worrying because you start thinking, I don't actually want to have this much of an impact on your life. I'm, I'm just going about being quite, um, happy-go-lucky about things and, and joking around and eating gold a bit. Hmm. I, I'm really happy that this makes you happier, yeah. but I don't want your happiness to depend on me. You being me, there. You know? True, but it comes back to Spider-Man, man. With great power comes great responsibility. And again, I would now, mate, you're getting in Spider-Man, he put you doctor, and now look at this, save <laughs> it was a superhero <laughs> you are. <laughs> and what I would say at that point really, is that same thing where you, we've gone through a similar mindset, which is now that you have to, it's the privilege. Yeah. You get yeah, it. I feel really blessed. Get to do this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah, you, I, and I think that comes with age as well, right? Like, mm. like, I feel really blessed and grateful for the opportunity to do what I do. Yeah. Because I love it, firstly. And secondly, I do feel like it's positively helping somebody who's listening for whatever reason they might be listening. Yeah. Um, but I do think it comes with this kind of like mm. unsaid responsibility almost because you also don't want to let anybody down at the same time. True, that. But it's because you have a conscious awareness of that. Yeah. It'd be very easy for you to just be completely chill and not really think about it. But I guess as long as you don't dwell on it all the time, because they, you know, no, you wouldn't say it, you know. Oh, I'm saving people's lives. What am I doing? <laughs> in general, I do have one thing to say to you, which is the pace you're going at is actually relentless. Like, seriously, you're not concerned about burnout at all because you do a lot. Okay, you know what? You say that, right? I said this to you, yeah, 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 so yeah. I want to bring it up here because it's good, it's good for people to see behind the scenes what you're actually doing in your day to day. Okay, it is relentless. But I kind of think like, if not now, then when? I kind of feel like if this isn't the age to be relentless, while I physically can do as much as I'm doing, then when am I going to do this? Also, like, I'm I'm not married. So I, there's, like, I don't have uh, relationship responsibilities, for example. I, uh, my job is not labor intensive as such, right? Like, I'm not lifting anything. I'm not... A I'm not doing any manual labor in my job. So yeah. I kind of feel like 
yes, I'm doing a lot, mm. but firstly, I enjoy it. Secondly, there's peaks yeah, and troughs yeah. and everything, right? Like there's there's periods where there are, where it's absolute madness. Mm. And then there will, will be a week or two where things slow down a little bit. Uh, admittedly, mm. the last uh, three months, there has not been any moment where things have slowed down at all. Mm. Uh, but, but, you know, I can't complain. Like it does come down to like, Gratitude. I, I'm really grateful for all these opportunities I've had. And if I say no to them, I will be kicking myself to say no. That I've said is that them. FOMO or is that because you genuinely want to do it and you they feel like everything's an opportunity that will open another door and another door and another door and then that won't ever end. And then it will come to a point where either your health gives out yeah. or you're just going to be absolutely shattered. Yeah, I didn't realise India was going to ask me but questions that make me uh, face the reality. <laughs> but Only because... I, I'm guilty of this as well. Mm. Like if you ask Sanj firsthand, how much do I do? She falls asleep on the sofa as I'm editing and I go to bed about half twelve one and I wake up at seven and I go to the office and then I'll come back and do it all again. So I know how it gets and I'm and she, she, she keeps me in check. She's like, you need to stop, you need to chill and you need to do this. And I just think, child, she's right. I respect her opinion. Cool. I'm worried you don't have someone to do that for you as well. <laughs> uh, no, now he's reminding me of how single I am. Just, why did I agree to do this? Still a meal. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there, are, there is risk of burnout mm. for sure. Mm. Um, I think it is about being real with yourself about what is manageable and what isn't, and how you use your time. Like at the moment, I get one day off a week. Yeah. Okay. And in that one day, it's a very tough task to um mentally balance how much of that day you should spend on switching off relaxing pressing yeah. and how much of that day you should spend on getting through life admin okay. right errands yeah errands yeah and then if there's anything left over spend then you think about <laughs> spending time with your family quite literally right and th this sunday is a good example of that so sunday just gone was um my first day off in a couple of weeks because I was working on a couple of other things the weekend before that and I had a full to-do list for the day right go to the gym do food prep go supermarket shopping do laundry mm. to go pick up a couple of bits and then um, my mom said to me in the middle of the day oh um let's spend some time together Kurt, Kurt coming in. it came in at 3 p.m and it just completely derailed me messed with my mind like i was like and by that point i had um i'd been to the gym yeah uh i no no i was about to go to the gym she's mom said it very innocently as i was about to leave to go to the gym yeah. and then you're like what do i do like, priorities though i'm easy yeah and i only have this one day in the entire week to do everything i need to and I tried to squeeze in the family time, of course, but it. But then I did that with uh, a slight bit of in the back of my mind, being like, oh, "I've got this to do, and I've got this to do, and I've got this." To do. Did you feel like you were rushed with your family? That like you wanted to get it done so you could get back to your list? I felt like if I had known earlier, then I could have planned better. The same thing happens to me when I'm in Birmingham. People like throw curveballs at me, which is I'm back and I'm here to see a set amount of people. And then my mum will say, I haven't seen you. And I'm like, fuck. All right, shit, I need to sit and give mum some time. So I've got to sit and give mum time. And then I'm like, okay, we'll have breakfast at this time. And then from there, I've got to rush to here. Then from there, I've got to rush to here. Then 
got to get in the car and get back to London and get back to London. Then I'm packed my stuff. Then I'm like, the day's not. But parental guidelines, like as a parental timelines work in a different world, you know, they, their pace of life is so different yeah. Yeah. to our pace of life. Yeah. Not that they're doing less with their time, but their way of thinking. They've had that time, you know, they've had the, the hustle phase. We're at a point now where we run on Google calendars, everything's, you know, calendarized like three, four months in advance and to-do lists. But then, like you said, it's party slam. Yeah. Well, I think they can just squeeze in a lot more than we can. I don't know, but I, I think, I mean, yeah, the, the, the tale of the, uh, the Mexican fisherman, the parable of the Mexican fisherman. No. I think you love this story. I, you tell me, tell me. He needs recording oh, me. Tell him I'll tell you very, very quickly. But basically, American banker is about to have a heart attack. Doctor says to him, you need to chill out. You're working too much. Go take a holiday. He goes to Mexico. He goes to Mexico, small town. He's wired. He wakes up 6 a.m. without an alarm clock. Walks down to the village, sees a, uh, a fisherman, local fisherman, who's just doing a bit of fishing. He looks, the fish look quite nice. He has conversations. says, oh, well, so how many fish do you catch? He says, oh, yeah, I catch a few. And then he goes, what do you do with your day? He goes, well, I catch a bit of fish. And then I have a siesta with my wife. And then I wake up and I go to the town. And then I get drunk with my mates and, you know, and then repeat. And he goes, yeah, but what you could do is you could stay out longer, catch more fish, get some more boats, right? And then you could get someone else to catch the fish for you. And then you could scale up and then you could go to New York. And then, to, you know, like a couple of years, you could have an IPO and then you could be a millionaire. And so the guy, then the guy says to the bank, okay, so how long is it going to take? And the guy says, uh, you know, about 20 years. And he goes, okay, so after I've done that, achieved that, become a millionaire, have all these things, you know, income coming in, then what do I do? And he goes, oh, that's the best. But then you, then you can go to a small village, relax, have siestas in the day, get drunk with your friends. And the guy says, well, then, yeah, but I'm doing that already now. And so I tell this story often, just, you know, this whole idea about keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, what is what is your definition of success and happiness look like? And I think when I sit with my dad now, like I remember my sister's wedding speech, I was like, sometimes I just observe dad sitting in the empty dining room, staring out the tape, the dining room in our garden, and he watches like a bird eat food and he gets really happy. And that's, he's happy all day yeah. because he's witnessed that. And I was like, how can I get to that level of contentment and peace, right? And so I agree with your point to point, but I think they're just, that some people, some, some some are just they with nothing to do. That's why it's a different thing. But I think there are some people who are just, they have experienced life. They have wisdom now at the point where they understand truly what is, you know, what's important in life. Whereas I feel like I'm at your stage, which is I'm still trying to work out what my ikigai is, where's my purpose? I'm still on that path. I'm still trying to manifest what that looks like. And so on that path, I'm going to need to do this, I need to do this, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But I did burn out from doing that. And they took me to go into burnout to go, you know, really, really deep into anxiety. It really helped me a lot with that coming back out to get a lot more clarity on what is important in life. Um, but that's, that was my journey. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like with, with the risk of burnout, yeah. I feel like there's a, there's a balance of enjoying what you do mm. and risk of burnout yeah. and knowing where to draw the line, right? I'd like to believe that I know where to draw the line. You think I don't know it's true. Like, no, I don't. You're saying, we say as a patient, you have insight. Which is, I think what so. it is. Because I've seen people go through that period of burnout and I've seen what that looks like. But I see them on the trajectory towards it. Yeah, you could see what those signs were that were heading towards it. So I'd like to think that I would know when to recognise that. Mm. But I also think like, uh, if I'm fortunate enough or blessed enough to have the opportunities that I have right now, mm. Wouldn't I be stupid to say no to No, of course, I see that too. I'd be torn at the same dilemma. I'll probably act the same way as he. I'll try and squeeze everything in as much as I can and see what I can get. That's all really. No, but I want to. I want to be better at delegating. Oh, the tension system chat. Yeah, they, you need the you best. Need. The best advice. Yeah, I'm a VA and a PA. And the, the best advice I ever got given is build systems and processes. That's the best piece of advice. That's what Ocean Templates are for, man. That should just set things up for you and just get things going. 
straight up. I mean, that's, yeah, that's AI. I mean, actual people. <laughs> Systems processes. But the other part of the advice I got given was, was one of my mentors. He says, Jess, when you approach me on the hospital ward, if you're in podcast, whatever it might be, ask yourself the question, what is the best use of my time, my energy, this situation? If I'm on the, I'm on the shop floor in the hospital, I could take the blood tests, I could speak to the patient, I could check them and I could take the floor, I could do everything. But it's not the best use of my time. So I only focus now on what I do best and everything else, I work out a way to automate and delegate out. But when you first do it, the, the reason why we don't like doing the, the hustle kind of mindset is we're perfectionists and we want control and we want to do everything. But as soon as you let go of control and you and you upskill the people around you, so I fucking hate it, I'll be honest, because what I have to do it in the podcast where I give pe- people things to do. <laughs> and no one's ever going to do it to your standard. The sooner I become accepting of that, the easier my life will become. <laughs> I have it in my head of like a high standard of how it should be. Sure, no, that's a, that's a, and that's never hit. That's a process. I get like angry. But because yeah, you just bad them down. That's what it is. Progress, progress, not perfection. Yeah, yeah. Any day of the week, right? If you want to, you want a mile of, a mile of an inch of movement is better than a mile of intention. So mm-hmm. we have to focus on upskilling those around us. It's a constant process, man. Yeah, yeah. But we have, we have property that we invest in. And now it is like three, four hours away from us. If we didn't have a good team, I'd be having to go there all the time. But I spend a lot of my time upskilling them so they can make more decisions. So when they come to me, it's a high level problem rather than like a low level problem where it's like, I don't really need to action that. But if you come to me and you've done this, 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 and this, I'll now be involved. I think it is very hard to hand over responsibility yeah. to them if it involves your, if your name is your brand. Like, so for example, with me, a lot of content that I do, even on the radio, mm. I want to see how it's going to turn out when it's going to go online or how it's going to be edited. Or quite often I edit my own interviews or my own videos because I have a vision for how I want it to be. Mm. And and releasing control of that is very difficult if it's something you've done for a long time. So that's his team do that for you. Yeah, yeah. And my team's great and they do and they do loads of those bits, but there'll be certain things that I just have a better understanding of. Mm. Certainly when it comes to like Bollywood stuff, mm. I know what the top line is from an interview that I that I want. And I know the best possible way to get to that top line in the shortest amount of time in a video. Mm. So it might just be easier mm. and quicker for me to do that yeah. than for me to um for me to let somebody else do that and then watch the edit and then be like actually this is how we need to do it and this is how we need to do it yeah you know because right now i'm working on something that it involves me um having no physical control over the edit and all i'm doing is joining a zoom meeting every other day and going through the progress of the edit mm-hmm. and that person i'm working with is wonderful and really really talented and a great video editor but they don't know anything about bollywood so quite often a lot of the time we spend in our oh. meetings is recapping things that content that we could have that i could have done in an edit yeah so you know i think it, it depends on what that thing is that you're outsourcing mm-hmm. i think it works great for some people and i i think that there are certain circumstances where you do need to control it as well what about non-work life stuff you're shopping for example yeah scheduling or do you enjoy that because it's you know that you know about it see i haven't worked it out yet i think the other thing is and i don't know about how you how you both uh feel about this as british asians mm. but the idea of spending on getting somebody to do something for you that you could do for free yeah. is hard to get your head around mm. so for example or even spending on something that is going to uh, level up your way of living 
but it's going to cost like for example i just ordered an air fryer two days ago right during a, a prime day sale so i was like two days yeah so i so i you made the most of it our mutual friend Alna, i saw her and she had it and then i was with her and i ordered it as well <laughs> i should have ordered that ages ago it would have been me making dinner so much more convenient yeah yeah but i chose not to because that's a big purchase that's an that's not a small amount of money to spend on something that an oven could do for free is the way I'm thinking about it, right? My, my struggle is to spend money on stuff that I could do with the means that I already have. Yeah. If it's going to cost me more money. Yeah. Do you go to Pakistan often? Uh, like once a year. Okay. So when you're there, you will know, I presume, that when you're in like family homes, there was a gardener, there's a cook, there's somebody to do the cooking, right? Yeah. Can't yeah. Stuff. So from my point of view, because I've grown up and gone to India a lot, I'm like, okay, I wouldn't want to live in India, but how do we create that level of comfort in England? Right, so that so when I and people ask me like often, okay, Jazz, what's your definition of success? I'm like, I said it's an evolving process; it changes as you get older. But a couple of things for me that are really important are how do I increase the level of comfort for mom and dad? We live with mom and dad, right? So for example, we have a cleaner. Though we don't clean, it's actually really funny. This should definitely be a segment. How as Punjabi or British Asian people, you clean the house for the cleaner to come. Which is a, you, you clean which, it beforehand. Yeah, it is like a base side. This is like a, it's like you do it. Do you want the cleaner to be? affected with her time so my dad would be like don't let her do low priority tasks that you can do and then recently we like we took on cook um so she'll come and like make some food for the for the week like Punjabi kind of yeah as again it's not that we can't do it but for me part of it is it's like okay if that's being done there what am I now doing with my active time and if that's spending time with family yeah or going out or doing other things that I can't pay someone to do then my time and you with it but that's a mindset shift you have to have that mindset and I think that a lot of British Asians don't have that mindset. No, no, like, you know, my, my family definitely don't have that mindset of, I'm actually, um, it's not that my family don't have the means. the means to have that exactly. mindset. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way, it's a it's that hustle mentality of the immigrant like generation that moved to this country yeah. where they didn't have the means to do it. Yeah. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a possible, but there's the idea of saving everything yeah. or, or whatever it might be, but these sorts of things, you have to expand your mind to think like that to begin with. You have to see it as well, but a lot of why I hear in kind of my wider, let's say wider sound of your friends is, you know, what we're saying here, we'll be at an event or something and people just moan, right, about, oh, I've got no time to do anything because I'm always cleaning the house. And I'll sit there, I'll listen to it maybe like two, three, four times on separate events. And then I'll literally say, just pay cleaner, 20 quid every two weeks. And then I don't need to- more Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like the blender's all different kind of dish. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you can live like a king when you're around here. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it, and that that's one of the things where I hear it, and I'm just like, you look, you, there's a solution here. And again, you're right, and it's a pretty interesting point you made that a lot of people have the means. I know a lot of people are actually very, very wealthy, but they just they don't want to spend it. And I'm like, okay, so if you're not spending it on save that and like leveling up, then what are you spending it on? Because it is a short shot, is buying new good every two years or buying a bigger house or doing no extension. So if it's making you happy, I'm not going to judge it. If it brings you genuine happiness and that sustains you for life and gives you life meaning and purpose, fine. But I think it's, everything is, a, is a, a gradual transition, right? Like, for example, at the start of the pandemic mm. is the first time I spent money on a personal trainer. Okay. So I, I got a personal trainer in July 2020. Right, you're the impetus. Right. His, his, his weight loss journey is something I've never seen. But yeah. So I had took the other day, actually. You were talking about something how you were quite... Um, when the camera's on you, not the interviewee, how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
So that was challenge. Yeah. 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 So so basically pre-pandemic I was um overweight and going into the pandemic I put on even more weight because everybody was at home and I like to cook during the first three months of the pandemic, even that brain like and it was just key and buffering and everything. And it was it was really good. But um essentially I was gonna turn thirty the next year. Um I felt like I didn't want to start a new decade of my life looking the way I had been looking and feeling the way I had been feeling. So uh, one day I just Googled personal trainers in the area and um, had a consultation with one. And at that time you could work out and you could train in the park. You could, yeah, you could do it. Yeah. 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 So I went and met him in a park and, uh, it, and signed up to 12 sessions with him. Those 12 sessions at that time cost £360. Now for me... That's a big investment. What's, what's, what's the answer? Yeah. What's the answer? Yeah. It was £30 per session. That's quite standard. Okay. Yeah. Thirty pounds yes. So you're around here about twenty twenty five. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the point is that was the most I'd ever spent on anything for myself, like yeah, for my own gain. And personal then, investment. Yeah. Personal investment, but I felt such a huge amount of guilt about it to begin with, right. because I'm thinking this is something I should be able to do myself without anybody's help. Why do I need somebody to motivate me to move? Now here's the now this is I spent a lot of time because I'm in the coaching industry as well, but from a medical point of view, this guy's like being in every pie. He, <laughs> every I've thought it was other things. A lot of things haven't worked, but I know the things that work now. Mm-hmm. And actually, I spent a lot of time here. Where it's like we go to school, okay? We have teachers. Teachers give us accountability. If we didn't have teachers, we'd go to school. Period. Right. And then we come to working life, adult life, and we don't have by default mentors, coaches, people to guide us, and we just think we're going to kind of make it in life. The beauty of a, a PT is, like you said, you pay somebody, you turn up, you don't miss session, you don't need to be motivated to go to the gym. Then when you get to the gym, and when I go, I don't need motivation because the guy there is going to tell me, pick up this weight, this many sets, or this many things. All I have to tell him is, this is the result. I want to be chunky, I want to be lean, I want to lose weight, whatever it might be. I'm outsourcing the result to you now. You make sure it happens. That's it. Right. But is it a 100% mindset shift, right? Because what I started with in that journey was for the first month feeling like, why I'm pathetic. I'm pathetic. Why am I? Is it really? Yeah, because it's like, why am I paying someone yeah. to make me physically do better? You know, this should be something that comes from Within. me, you know? And then, and I've realized that that's actually from what society feeds you about the way you should feel about yourself and how yeah. you should be able to go to the gym and do things yourself. It was the best decision I ever made was getting a PT. And then exactly how you said, you know, I would just turn up and I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss a session, right? Because you've made a clean decision. I'm paying someone. So yeah. But I don't I'm fucking do that. off. I'm going. I was training in the rain, in the snow. No, I, was, I was out there and I was, I was more active than I've ever been because I was paying someone. It didn't feel hard at the end. And by the end of it, and I stopped training with this trainer at February this year, which is when I started working in Birmingham pretty much full time. Okay. So I could have trained with that trainer. But um, I, it got to the point where that money leaving my account was no longer... Um, even, it didn't even bother me. It wasn't even a second thought. It was just like, this is normal practice for me to pay this person to look after my health. Yeah. It's actually, that's the point, Emma, right? So the conversation I have with people, this will, this will blow your mind, man. So Jordan Peter, 
Okay, so I was wrong last year. That's your claim, though, man, with all the things you've gone through. You've gone through budget mindset, you've gone through Jordan Peterson, you've gone through. There's a new one into K. This is Garamingo at its finest. If people want to mad, all the. This is like all 120 odd episodes rolled into one. Rolled into one. I don't know, everything's there. Okay, this is what I believe. Go on, catch your job on that. Go on. So, I'm going to show. This is like one of my idols, and I've been wanting to meet When we met him, my wife said to him, she said, um, you know, Jazz talks about dead or alive, you're the one person he wants to meet. To which he replied, well, it's good I'm not dead. And then he had a really good laugh, so that was just... But here's the thing that blew my mind. So he's talking about Sudoku, he's talking about, what's that boggle, where word all that thing you boggle? Yeah, for a fed model, used to be game as well. And he's like, there is zero evidence, zero scientific evidence that this will offset cognitive decline, dementia, all that kind of stuff. This is the main reason people play it. Yeah. Zero evidence. He goes, well, there is really good evidence for, is if you are over the age of 50 and you lift weights once a week, you will restore your brain function to that 30-year-old. Don't evidence. So now when I see my patients and they sit there and, you know, they're either depressed or they're key or they have other ailments, I'm like, look, this is part of your prescription. Get your ass in the gym once a week. Hire a PT. Get this done. Because A, you're looking after your health to keep your arteries clean. That's the main thing. You're not going diabetic. We're brown. We have massive risk of diabetes and blood pressure and cholesterol, all those things. That's number one, the physical health. Mentally, obviously, you're going to release endorphins. You feel so good. When you lift a PB, how good do you feel? I feel great. Mate, there's nothing like climbing. No. Right? People talked about in lockdown this idea about mindfulness, right? It became this whole thing. And I ask people all the time, like, how, do you, how do you practice mindfulness, right? When you have a barbell on your chest, if you're not thinking about lifting that weight, the bar's going to hit you on the head. Yeah. It is a great thing that makes you mindful. No, I absolutely love the feeling of going to the gym now. But three years ago, yeah, was a hard I time. identified that I needed to pay somebody to get me to the point where I would even cut, mm. you know? And and I think that realization that we're talking about with this is the same realization that I now need to have about other parts of my life, about, like you were saying, outsourcing things. So I think that's, for me, the next thing to do. We'll touch on that afterwards, I promise. I didn't speed up a little bit for conscious of time. Can I give for a compliment? Of course you can. Sans told me something about you, which I absolutely love, which I've started doing now as well. She said to me, when her room meets people, in the contact section of that person, so say I'm, you've got me, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You'll write notes about the conversation. I told you this time, yeah. No. Stop taking credit for me. I told you this. I told the story I told her. What did I do? We don't do it. So why don't we? <laughs> what about mates? Yeah. Let's say who. You, you didn't understand. No, no, no. This is true. So you then thought, therefore, you went into a contact. Yes. And you added to her note. What she does, job was, yeah, and you have that as a reference in the future. You ever forgot it was there? Because I think it's very weird. I think I, I, I would say is yes, no. The president of the United States, yeah, the briefings he gets, yeah, it's like that. You go into the conversation, no, no, no. ready, man. So I'm like, you yeah. know what? I need to write it down somewhere, otherwise it's never gonna get dealt with. Good dude, <laughs> I am gradually, I'm human gradually. Memento. Loses memory, I'm a con. He's super. Looks, yeah, oh, he's super handy. It looks like Rune, actually. No, no, just the hair is the same. <laughs> I did it to skip ahead. So, you already alluded to the fact that you're being single at the moment and stuff. Is it harder for you to meet somebody now because you're doing so well? I know that sometimes people are conscious of meeting someone who is in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. They're attracted to you for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you say that that's a factor for you now and trying to meet somebody and trying to understand that their intentions are true or if they're false? And is that making you back off a little bit from that in that sense? I would say that is definitely a factor. Mm. Uh, is one factor. So if I um, match with a girl on a dating app that and one of the first things in conversation is, oh, I know you from this. Mm. It is an immediate turn off in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I know, and I've spoken to a few people about it who are like, no, you need to be more uh, you know, yeah. open to giving, you know, having a conversation. But I kind of feel like everything I do on radio and in um, in the kind of public eye, if you want to call it that, is um, is a more enhanced performative version of what I would like to be like with my partner, right? Like I want to be my most authentic self. Yeah. yeah. And so, if, oh, Randy, if, right. if, um, your first impression of me is based on something that is um, the best version of myself for the most number of people. Yeah, it, it starts. I kind of feel like your your impression of me is already too high at, at that very starting point. Pedestal. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't want to be on a pedestal. Like I don't. I just want to be yourself. Yeah, I just want to be myself. So. For that reason, I think so. And then, yes, you know, the worst thing is like, you know, when you're talking to um, someone and very early on, they're like, so who's the coolest person you've interviewed? I'm like, no, like, this is not what, this is not what I want, you know? Let's connect. Let's connect. Like, I think it is, it's the DMs. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it, it's uh, yeah, so I'd say that's a factor. But I think the bigger factor in me not having found the right life partner is uh, me not giving it enough time. Then. I think time is the bigger problem. Mm. Um, and, you know, so many of our very good friends have, you know, yeah. advised me how I need to spend more time on really? this. So I don't think any of us... With Silandi, not Silandi. But Silandi <laughs> doesn't take Muslim clients. Forget Pakistan matchmaking. I want to know why Silandi doesn't have any Muslim clients. Well, I've never seen her have any on the show. But anyway, <laughs> you might be white. But um, with time, mm. I find that I am too exhausted from daily conversations in general to then also have the capacity to indulge in small talk. Yeah. Do you think also that is a factor? But us saying to you, you need to invest X, Y, and Z, is really kind of naive and stupid because we don't live your life. Your life is very unique compared to what we can see from the outside looking in. All of us have a conventional nine to fives. Mm. You don't have that. Your nine to five is not a nine to five. It's ongoing all the time. True, but I started to think that maybe um, I need to look at it a little bit differently because you can't tell me that your life also doesn't involve you having um, stressful situations and and uh, you know long hours. And you're doing you're doing this on the side of doing your full time job. For example, yeah, yeah, you're doing this on the on the side of saving people's lives. So it's not like you don't have <laughs> other things going on, but you still make time to do this. And yeah. in the same sense, I need to make time to try and find a life partner, mm -hmm. which I am not doing right now. But is it a priority? I think the older you get, the more you realize that it is a priority. I think because what are you actually wanting? This is actually interesting. Though. Most of us, I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is only because you know you're young and you get into a relationship. I, I met my partner when I was 19, right? I think at that age, I thought I'd tell India, I tell everyone on the podcast, you're young, you're brown, you're at university, you just want to meet a girl, man. I, I don't think like, she said I was going to marry at that point, that I did. But I think I'm 30, if I'm 33 now and single, then I'm looking for different things for a relationship. And the reason I'd be thinking about, well, if I want to get married, why do I actually want to get married? Because I think when you're yoga, it's like, meet someone the day you tell your parents you get married just the thing you do is the blueprint you're just following whereas now I think the conversation is I look at it and actually think why so for you Harun, mm. what would be the reason you'd want a relationship I think companionship I think it means one to find I, I think it means uh, being able to share your life 
with someone. Yeah. Because I think they reached a point. I think in my twenties, mm. I um, I just hustled. Like I just worked. I worked round the clock, nonstop. I wanted. Uh, to be the best in what I was doing and I wanted every opportunity I could possibly get mm. and then you reach a point um, I think for a lot of people in their you know turning 30 or their early 30s where they realise that they are now um, you know touch with financially stable to an extent they yeah. are uh, content within their career doesn't mean they lack ambition they're just content in where they are at their career and it's like okay so what do I do with this now mm. Who do I share this with? Mm. What do I do? What, what, what is my what is the next purpose of my life? Mm. And as much as I didn't believe it when I was younger, I didn't really believe in the idea that um, marriage or companionship mm. served much of a purpose. Be you know, honestly, better than beyond beyond um, following. Conventional yeah. natural blueprints. Yeah, you know, like societal expectations. Yeah, I used to think. I don't know why. I used to think that people who get married or or have kids or have a family at a young age mm. have boring lives, like they've got nothing out. Why are you going not hustling? You know, why aren't you hustling? I had the same thing. Yeah. But actually, I think they're much better off for doing that. I th I now think that the the friends that I have that got married or, or friends or cousins that got married younger, mid twenties ish, mm. did the right thing. Okay, but. You met me when I was younger in my mid twenties, not suitable for marriage. So every person's still very in their life journey. Yeah, but do you know how you said that marriage has made you a better person? No, I wouldn't say it's made me a better person. I'd say I'm dying you say I'd say that my wife has made me a better person, but I was with so her. you but I was with her I was with her before I got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was still with her and she was still making me a better person for well not like a few years you would have become a better person even earlier. Yeah. But then I wouldn't have met her in the right circumstances that worked for both of us in that sense. And I would have had to miss out gaps in my journey to be able to be with her earlier. It's a technicality, but no, it's not a technicality because all the steps that I've taken to get here make sense. True. If I, I skipped any amount, it would have made a massive gap. In my but life. him saying a marriage has made you better is not an incorrect statement. That is correct. You live with Sanjana, you didn't live with a prima. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That is true. I, I just think that the 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 older you get, the harder it becomes to find the right person. Yeah. And I think your criteria for what you're looking for, like you mentioned, changes. Jermaine. And you are so much more sure of yourself as a person yeah. that you're far less willing to compromise on yeah. any aspect of your personality. Yeah. And the whole thing becomes harder. Yeah. I think. So I think that, which is the other one, the compromise. And the other thing is just physically, where do you meet people? True. Right, like, true. University is great. You're around people, there's introductions as friends. And beyond that, you're like, okay, job, gym, the mill or whatever, or family introductions. Like, yeah, aren't you supported by seeking? So shouldn't you be promoting them, not be on our siege? <laughs> there are dating apps out there that are suitable for everyone. You can try seeking if you are not seeking. Yeah, you can. If you are seek, you can try seeking. Seeking. Well, yes, you want to hear me I mean... Well, you can do it. Well, I don't know how well you'd be received on that. On but that. that's another thing, right? I think when you're younger, no, I think as you get older, um, you start seeing sense in, how do I say this? You start seeing the sense behind what you're taught about trying to find a life partner from the same background as you as well, because you start, mm -hmm. uh, you either become closer to your faith, so you want to meet somebody of the same faith, or mm -hmm. you become more, 
um, sure of your values in life. So you want to meet someone who has similar values. Or, yeah, correct. Uh, you know, so all of those things. So then the criteria or the, the pool of people that you can pick from becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, correct. And, and less and less, you meet them less and less, like you said. But then is your approach, do you get more intentional about I need to go to actively find them? Or is it more, you know, law of trout, oh. it's going to come preordained destiny it's there it will happen when it happens what's your kind of bro it's not about you a movie it's not it's still it doesn't work right it doesn't work like that so as much as i would like the thing i go through phases and i'm sure people can relate to this for one month after one of your friends gets married you are on every oh that's the most honest it's called no not no 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 I have the worst luck. I've seen it. I see it. All the ads on tubes. I've seen it. I think Minda's not. I don't even know if Minda's still operating. I don't have a in there anymore. But anyway, the point is, for a month after your friends get married, you are actively on those apps. And then after a month, you still on them. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a point where I got a notification the other day from one of the apps, which is like, you have not used your account in 90 days. Are you still alive? You no longer be visible to other people on this app. Let's see how now. I don't think the side thing you've heard, no one's ever respond, so they're complaining. <laughs> yeah. So it goes in phases. How about like Mummy Dirty? Are they no, uh, you know what? production type people or not? Um, no, they're like, they're like uh, you meet your own life partner. Maybe I need the old school introduction vibe, but maybe that will work better. Reda, we are going to Pakistan. Yeah, no, that was the nature of your trip. Not that high. You, you kind of, um, we as British Asians, yeah. Yeah. want to be able to be given full freedom to do our own thing, right. meet our own life partner, yep. etc., etc. But when you reach your early thirties and that hasn't worked, take me back here. This marriage seems quite reasonable. This marriage. At least I know that way is guaranteed, right? Is that? That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's not guaranteed that it will work, but it, well, you're guaranteed to meet somebody. Yeah, but they'll be there. They'll be there in the February one that Sunday lunchtime. So yours was love marriage. Yeah. Yours was love marriage. Yeah. And he come back from the love marriage. Coming I mean, I mean, what? Any, any uh, arranged marriage routes being offered before you found one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had mine. I was young, I was 19, so. I mean, we had people outside the family who didn't know. How old were you when you got married? 27. But we met oh, at 19. Yeah, okay. okay. You know, I didn't get married. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was funny as well, because when I when we got together, yeah, cool doctor, I get married at 23, you got 22 as a nope. I get married at 25, but 25 as a nope. And then it's kept really down long and long and long. But. The advice I give people now is, you know, before you do get married, and obviously as Asians, we tend not to live together pre-marriage, you need that period, long extended periods of testing. You need to see to the outside of the honeymoon phase, you see the angry, you see the bad habits, you see as much as you can, because then you are making a proper informed decision. And that's the advice I give people now, rather than this kind of three, six months and then you get married and you kind of work it off. Oh, okay. I, I worry for people that get married quickly because I think this is not been stress tested. Like, I know it's taboo to go away with your partner. I know it's taboo. What is this? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I know it's taboo to go away with your partner outside of your parents night. I know it's taboo to spend the night with them. But if your parents know, we've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because you see people and you'll understand things that really piss you off. But and you can get through that. I don't think there's any guarantee. There's no order no, like, because for example, exactly. I don't think people who have got married after knowing each other for, for three weeks mm. and have agreed to get married. They don't get married in three weeks, but yep. they, they've agreed to get married after three yeah, weeks yeah. knowing each other. And now are people who've got married after 10 years of um, getting to know each other. And then there is. You're talking about the bell curve. These are extremes. But the middle, the majority, I'm saying, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the other side, if you know someone really long time, but then you get married, it, the other danger is that you become stale. And you become roommates, you're not actually in love anymore. So yeah. that, that can happen as well, right? 
But you're right. Sometimes it's little luck. But I often say, if you're going to err on one side, I'd say get to know somebody properly and intimately. As to what I is properly. Good question. I mean, all right, a few years. I would my my rules are: if you're with somebody, time. If you're with somebody in the same city and you're there, you should meet each other once a week, personally. Because me and Sarah managed to meet each other once every two weeks, and we were in different cities. So if you're in the same city, the minimum I would expect from someone, this is me, once a week, then you can get to know them in that period. I would spend a day out with them, not evenings, because day outs, you spend an extended period of time. Evenings, everyone's on their best behavior. You've come off work, things are all feeling great. You're looking forward to it the whole day. When you're with someone the whole day, you can then see, okay, shit, I don't like that bit you did there because I've seen you for a longer period of time and your guard will drop a little bit. So you kind of can see people in a different way. That's how I would personally go about it if I was seeing someone in North America. And there's some science to that. Like there's some, you're, you're, you've really thought about yes. this. In hindsight, I'm the head for me. And now when you know, my younger family will ask me, and actually I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, just thinking, is this okay to say it's going to be out next week? Because it's just fine. I can tell you. It's going to be like, I don't think a wedding, best man speech on Saturday. And there's part of that where I talk about what, what is it you look for in a partner? People in my family will ask me this, younger members, and I'll say, look, you were looking for a worthy adversary. That's the phrase I use. And then they'll, they'll simply present me and I'll say, look, great spire of all time, Muhammad Ali. He's great because it was Fraser that was fallen and there's all these people. Your partner is someone who you can have that conversation. Like you said, go to the nth degree, talk about existentialism, talk about the purpose, meaning. You can talk about absolute shit. You can talk in between the level. You can sit in silence and not talk at all. Somebody who pushes you, keeps you accountable, loves you unconditionally. And wrapped in all that, there are certain things that you won't like about each other. Yeah, yeah. But you tolerate. There's no other person in life you will tolerate certain things. Or, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Hard love for me is, is that folks. Mm. That's why I say a worthy adversary. If I'm, if, if you know, this whole talk that's going on about not being alpha, alpha, right? If we all accept that we're alphas, right? My advice, I say to my wife all the time, is like, look, I want to be with another alpha. I don't like my my wife, Shinti. She'll always tease me about this. She's like, sometimes, you know, when I tell you something to do, you'll say, oh, I wish, I'll say, I wish you were handy, yo. Like, just handy, handy, okay, 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 okay. And I say, look, and the thing is, it'll be good for five minutes, but unless there is stimulating conversation that keeps me, pushing me to be better than no me, I want, I want alpha, I want a lion and a lioness. I don't want to, and this, in my wedding, speak to my wedding, I actually call my wife a gazelle. And... She ripped me like she was, and then at my sister's wedding, four years later, I was like, right, Christian, she's not a gazelle, she's a lion, she's also a lioness, whatever. I was like, yeah, and that was like Christian, a worthy adversary. I think, I think most people are looking for equals in marriage. I think then, I think they are. I think it'd be a pretty boring marriage if it's not a marriage of equals. Yeah. Mm. No, there, you're definitely a marriage of equals. Well, why, why would you say that? Because I moved to London. No. Well, easy, easy to. No, I think. I, w- I would be hard-pressed to find another girl that's like her, ever. I just think that you both have strong personalities. Yeah, and I think I'd be hard-pressed to find another person that's like her, that has the same personality traits, the same drive, the same will in life, the same thoughts, and being able to tolerate me, obviously. But, obviously. But having, having someone who is able to do all those things, I will probably never find again. So she's very unique, and I'm very lucky. How old were you when you... 19, I, I met her as friends, and then we got together like 2008. So you were what, like 26, 27? The Lord. No, se- se- September 2017. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah. think as you get older, it's harder. No, I think it is for sure. I def- so my advice mm. would be yeah, I do a current and meet somebody at uni and then get married to them. Just make sure they're the right. It's possible. <laughs> as I think it would be a 
but it happened. But, but I would also say, yeah. be it with intention at that age. Yes. I think that's a that's a, a point that we'd like. We don't talk about. We don't talk about, like, date with intention from a young age. Because if you do mess around at that age and they eventually later on decide to get serious about life, mm -hmm. you will have missed the opportunity maybe to have found the right person. We're jumping into like a segment we have, which is I have a question. Yes. And we just pinged out questions. Yes. And the question that you posted out to everyone was the thing that went Esco made us go semi-viral. You know, when you took it on the Asian network and said, how do you find your rookie guys? And I was like, wait, what? Because one of our mates messaged me saying, you know, I really spoke about you on the Asian network. I was like, no. Listen, I know what you guys are doing with the podcast. So I watch all the clips on TikTok. I find them very, very entertaining. And the roti one was probably my favorite because it made me think about how I eat my roti as well. Just explain the way that you wanted to do it because I'm still bamboozled by it. I can't do what I said. Techers, yeah. You wanted to like slice it. Oh, yeah. It's simple. When you make a good roti, it's going to be a puffy roti, right? So yeah. you know that there's an air pocket in the middle. So yeah. you rip the roti in half and you have double the amount of roti then, right? Because then you eat one half layer of roti. Yeah. And then the second half layer of roti, you got yeah. double the roti for the price of one. Is that what I said at the time? That is what you said. Think, think of two slices of bread. Yeah. As, but and when you eat a roti, you can eat it as the yeah, just doesn't. You do it with pita bread, right? You do it with pita bread, for example. Yeah, yeah. That's you, a good example. Same with roti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it's made correct. But it depends how thin it is. If it's super thin, it's hard to do what you're saying. Uh, true, but even with thin roti, you did just double it up and you still might just get two scoops out of it. Yeah. You know the worst roti, I don't want to take it, I don't know if you want to take it back awesome. to the <laughs> But the worst roti technique I've ever seen is when people only have, you call them burkis, right? Yeah, burkis. Two, three burkis left of roti, right? They ration the burki of roti, so they to, still use it to scoop, yeah. place it in the mouth, but then still use the same burki to yes, bring no, 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 no. I know what you're saying. You're saying they're reusing the same burki. Yeah, it's bizarre. What you're yes. saying that I do is I ration to the end, so I'll have three scoops of sabji left, I'll have three scoops of roti, but it'll finish at the same time. But I'm not recycling, I'm not recycling. The, and also, if my roti finishes, yeah. then with a the jumpter, I will finish off the Yeah, sure, no, but you need to save two or three burkis for the end. Yes. Because yes. use the spoon portion earlier, yeah, we can because you want something that's going to, there's a certain pleasure ratio. In, in uh, wiping the plate at the end with the burki. And also, another thing I'd like to say about roti yes. is um, that I hate people that uh, tear off big bits of roti to begin with, and then they are struggling at the end or trying to steal somebody else's. Yes. Like, know your roti limits. Yes. How many bites in, a, in one roti? That's a good question. You I think know, for you, you uh, three or four. No, you know, that, you know what I mean? Because, no. okay, if you eat a small roti, you'd be doing like this. Oh, like this. Where are you going to go eat tonight and you're going to see how I eat it and you're going to be like, what the hell? Yeah. But it's going to be nice. Can you one handed technique. roti breaks? Yeah, no, I thought I did that. I did two hands. Break off, break off, break off. This can is quite, it's quite fun to prove to us. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I had an ability. You're so, I need the legs. They're like exclusively, isn't it? Like Punjabi people don't, but I know there are certain people, some parts of India where it's like a thing that you should be able to do with one hand and the other hand is not for that. Uh, South Indian? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know where it is, but like I'm Punjabi, Pakistani Punjabi. We eat with both hands, like yeah, yeah. tear it off. But at the same time, I think the idea is that you eat primarily with your right hand. So where it's just supposed to be, I think you're just supposed to eat with your right hand. I don't know. And the left then is for what function? Uh, I assume to eat. Soup. Soup. No, while you're eating, it's not supposed to. You're just. It's just yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a. Uh, oh, it's just that's uh, chill. Yeah, I've seen people do it, and the people that can do it with rice, that's a skill. I and mean, can you do that? Or? I can't eat rice with like, my hands. But the only, like you know. No, I can't. I can't. I, I, I think I there's, a, there's a there's a technique. Flick. 
that you have to be able Ooh. to do. It is, isn't it? It is. You've got to be able to get the rims and <laughs> scoop and it's hard. Yeah. The you, face no, I've never tried it. Never tried it. You never tried to eat rice with your hands? No. Not oh, even out I'm, of curiosity. I'm no, I don't want to. Why? It just seems like... You I think there's a... No, but they say that... not all in my beard. They say there's a swad in eating with your hand. There is, and that's why we use two hands. No, but with the rice. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> rice, you mix it with the tari, you get the day in there, you make it into your thing like rajma tol, and then you have it with the tam tam. It, it's yeah. not made to be... Rajma. Okay, what do you like with your chal? Um, I like balak or sag with chaval. Where we're we going tonight has an award-winning sag. Can't wait. We're going to have it. We'll smash it. But yes, okay, that with with the chal, and they on top or on the side? On the side. Not on the top, man. No, no, on the side, man. You can't mix day in there unless it's too hot. That that's the get out of jail free card. When it's too hot, going out the day on top, man. Or if it, if it's just like a good biryani, then I don't need much with it except yeah, a bit of yogurt. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Do you do eat biryani? I don't mind it. I I yeah. think it's I think it's the easiest thing ever because I eat chicken and rice all the time. Like it's two in one done. I would like to call out some of my friends who Please say do. that biryani is overrated and it offends me to Please an do. extent. Speak to I don't want to say their names because I don't want them to get any um, hate online, but they know who they are. But they say biryani is overrated and I'd like them to know that they're not having the right kind of biryani. That's always the answer, isn't it? If you're eating at crap places, you're going to think it's crap. If you're eating at places that don't know that they have to sieve out all the masala before they serve it to you, mm. that is a you problem. Yes, it's not a Briani problem. Yeah, yes, yes. I just wanted to get that off my chest. How <laughs> interesting! Why did you pick that clip up? I I find, I find it really relatable. I find it really relatable. I thought what you were saying about roti was really interesting, and I realised that actually there is no one right way of well, there is for me, but for a lot of people, there, no there isn't one right way of eating roti. Remind me again what specifically you were saying in that clip that you take the roti, fold it over... And then bring you know, it... I've so many yeah. times, I could probably say it's so, verbatim. Roti is flat. Yeah. Burki, burki, burki. I was saying, that's how you, you can ration if you only eat less roti. Yeah. You were saying, but no, I fold it. And then like, yeah. I'll fold it. Really, huh? No, it's just because my mum and dad will put it on the plate and I'll put it on the so, plate and then I've got half a plate. So to make it fit, the roti's in half on the plate. But also... But then I go and eat off the plate. You... I'm not going to open it back up. Why? Because yes, no. it's already on the plate. I'm not going to roof the corner over, open it up, and then start working around there. No. So I've started using a new technique now. You know when we go for a mixed grill? Yeah. I had a mixed grill at home after ages, me and Shindy had one last week. And I was like, okay, but you don't get roti, obviously, you make sure you get big naans, garlic naans. So I had my main plate. I had the my big alien face shape. The alien face shape. Yeah, exactly that. So I had my monturian, I had whatever I eat here. And I was like, there's no room on the plate for this naan. Yeah. So I'm going to use a secondary, smaller plate just for the naan. Do you not do that at home if you have a. No, everything's in Kodli anyway, so I don't need, my plate is for the roti and then I have my dal in the Kodli, okay. they in the Kodli, my sub, sabji will be on the plate. Yeah. But there's still enough room on the plate to have my roti on the sentences. We make smaller roti. If it's a naan, you need, you need separate side plate. So I think naan is a little bit overrated. Depends on the naan. Plain naan, obviously. I think naan has a tendency to go wrong a lot more than roti can go wrong. I agree with you. The, spe the spectrum, yeah. Uh, the stodginess of a naan. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And the amount of, sorry to go, but the calories in a naan oh, yeah. just aren't worth the sacrifice. They're not, they're not. Unless you're going all out and you're having a blowout day on the calories and you're like, I did it last Saturday. Mi mixy, mixy. You can't go to a mixy and have roti. No, but my mom made this amazing kima, right? And the kima was too good for roti. So I had tava um, naan where it was like tandoori naan with extra ghee on it, on the tava toasted to perfection see that's a different level now now that is definitely is underrated tandoori roti yeah is game changer what about this tandoori naan and tandoori oh yeah. wow oh 
But different level. You got to save it for special days. Yeah. But in general, none is overrated. Yeah, but you like day to day in your house eating a dal. You're not gonna have you. You don't no. exactly. But if you're having a mix grill masala chips and you're going all out, you know the radioactive green mint sauce. If your mixed grill is good enough, hang on, hang on. The radioactive green mint. Yeah, you don't know about it. Green. He knows. He knows. The neon one. You know that dead butta. Are we going yeah. to glow in the dark mint sauce place today? We can do. I'm sure they'll have it. I mean, they have it. Yeah, but does it glow in the dark? We'll have to switch off the light to yeah, test it out. And that's check it out. You know what I mean? Goodness gracious me. Yeah. When they go, how did they get that red food color? <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, I know the mint sauce you're talking about, but I think if the mixed grill is good enough, yeah. it shouldn't need none. Mm. Oh, no, see, I disagree with this. Because, but it depends what you eat. Because I have chili paneer. Chili paneer, you can eat on its own, but it's not fun. Chili paneer, and then you take no appeal. Fun. You can, you can. I'm not saying you can't, but the way I like it is I got my masala fries here, I got my burki or garlic naan. I'm taking a bit of chili panin. Oh, bro, you're making me so hungry right now. I, I hope the food is good where we're going. A warning. <laughs> <laughs> What's your ultimate pet peeve about wedding season? Because we've rinsed weddings. I think we were on like a 10 week streak of mentioning something about weddings. Oh, by the way, side note, that clip that you sent me of that DJ who was drunk. Kaya? You know the DJ? Oh, the one that I went to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I showed it to a couple of DJs. Yeah. And they were just could not. They were in awe. They couldn't believe it, number one. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, this is a real person. Yes. Have you seen this clip? No. Right. Watch a clip after the podcast. Indy's basically there filming it. This guy Shalambi, he's DJing at a real wedding. Not the Jogger Party, the reception. Do do the noise. He's absolutely Do do the noise. He's basically singing on the mic and he's saying, yeah, 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 on the mic. And I'm just thinking, what is he doing? It's like he's clearing his throat out and he's slurring on the mic but he's not making sense. There's no music playing. And there's a door that he's trying to cover for it. He's playing the door to try and drown it out. But the rolls him on. That rolls him on. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just making a door. Yeah, it's just like, you know what, though? But but it links to what my wedding pet peeve are. Because I can pick from a lot. But over-the-top DJs are definitely one of my pet peeves. So, for example, the bride and groom have chosen a song to make their entrance song, their entrance to... They do not need your commentary. MC, they MC, do you know. not need you to say, make some noise for the couple. For oh, give it up for give us your boys. best. Give us your best DJ voice. And I'll tell you what you need to say. It's the K cutting. It's a five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Give me the best DJ voice. Ready? Three, no, two. No. <laughs> I can't. And I have too many DJ friends. <laughs> I can't. I can't. But you know, even during like, uh, certainly at Pakistani weddings, there's a lot of choreographed dances that yes. go down at the Mendy, right? Those boys and girls have put together a medley themselves. They have edited to get, they've used audacity, some free edits. They've tried really hard. Do not ruin their medley with your commentary. Hello, guys. Yeah, first of all, yes, yes. Stop one, two, three. Medley. Bunny, bunny, shower, shower. He's so good. Five, four, three, two, one. Make some noise. Sort d'Italien. And he loves it. I hate it. The, the, the cringiest thing. Wedding DJ commentator is one of my pet peeves. Yeah, I think during Canada, they have a split role. This is another thing I didn't tell you about when we talk about Canadian weddings. So I went to this reception, thousand people at the reception, way over the top. You have the DJ who's just there to DJ, and then they have a secondary MC. No, but you know that works sometimes. Like for example, Punjabi uh, Punjabi Hit Squad friends of mine. There are two of them, and one of them will MC, yeah. and he's great. But he knows when to do it, it when to stop. Just chill out. You don't talk over moments that don't require you. Like you don't need to talk over. The bride and groom's entrance. They have specifically spent hours picking that song. Let them have the song in so- like with you in silence. So yeah, there, there you go. There's my uh, that's fair. 
That's can I have a second one? Of course you can. The auntie who has got so much going on in her own life but mm. still wants to ask you why you're not married yet is the like I'm sure you've spoken about this before, but like you know that one of her kids is getting divorced, one of her kids has run away, one of her kids <laughs> might be a drug addict, but she's still gonna ask you why you're not married yet. It's the, and that auntie knows who they are. Uh, but everyone's got one. They've always got something to say and it's literally like It's like sort your own shit out. Sort your own life out. Which is what you want to say, but tell me the approach. How do you handle it? Are you the hanji 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 hanji? Do you no, take it as spiritual, like it's going to happen when it's going to happen? No, I just, I just laugh it off and walk away. I laugh it off and walk away. I think that's my uh, go-to. Because go at first, if you're if you're responsive... Engaging, you. Yeah. If you engage, even if it's a, a sharp, like, yeah, yeah. mind your own business, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you engage, <laughs> they, they don't learn. It instigates them to, oh, oh you're open for conversation about this now. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that they'd be the opposite. They'll go and run and tell your mum and dad be like, he said this to me. They know my mum and dad are going to say he's right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If, if you're rude, that auntie will go to your parents and say, Yeah, that's true. Right, that's, that's true. Yeah. Right? That's pain. That's what they say. That hurts, man. Okay, tell me yours. People, what didn't you ask me? Yeah, of course, man. It's the Rude Show today. It's the Rude Show. About to spread the love. How's the question again? Tell me your biggest wedding pet peeve, man, about weddings. Okay, personally for me, it's there's going to be a dance off at some point. I'm going to get dragged into dance off. I'm not a dancing monkey. I don't want to dance in every circle in the middle. That's my pet peeve. The Indian circle. No, it's you. Can you see me? It's not my event. Oh, it's when everyone makes that massive circle and you just get pushed in. It's not. Look, if it's my event, I'm going to hold it down. That's different, right? Yeah. But if it's your event, I want you to be the prime for it. Do you think it's your responsibility to hold it down to dance, dance at a friend's wedding? Because we're yes. sangara dancers, or just because no, it's not because you're not dancers. If if there's a wedding when I know that you know, like there's always that awkward bit where they want the DJ wants to get the pie styled, and you need the you know the few. People that go over the trench wall and go into the dance floor initially to kick it off, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I look around and everyone's like, you know, the band they're like, I'm not sure I'll be enough. I'm not going to go. The ladies, still, they're fine. They're going to come do the guitar, whatever. But you need a couple of lads, right? And I will always do that seva. That's always my seva. I will come and do it a little bit until the reinforcements come. But don't you think you're taken for granted then? Yes. No, absolutely. But it depends. It depends how close I am. If I want to take, if this is my philosophy on attending parties now, we're going to that, which is if I'm not going to be one of the last people on the dance floor, I'm not attending the party. If you're not one of the last people on the dance floor, you're not attending the party. That's it. So by definition, the ones I attend, Indy's reception, which we are at the tent, I'm going to be on the last person. Yeah, he actually cares, basically. Okay, but the, the thing is, I sometimes feel like sometimes mm. you just are not in the mood to dance. Yeah, fair. You know, like, you know, you, you're just not in the mood to dance, but the expectation is you danced at so-and-so's wedding and you danced at so-and-so's wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you not dancing right now? And it is the whole thing of you don't want to just switch it on. Sometimes you are not feeling it. No, and you want to jump. And my kind of general approach is once I've done the initial bit, which I need to do, then I just want to sit down and have conversations. I want to eat. Yeah. So standard things happen by you go outside to walks with people, you go and sit somewhere else, you catch up, whatever. And then there probably will be a part where I want to dance. Yeah. Um, but you're right. There shouldn't be expectation. So yeah, being told to dance and the, ex well, you're dancing and then slowly, slowly people edge away. Right? And, and then it's like, oh, 
do, do the do the thing, man. Do the move, man. And I'm like, just like, the thing is, if you've got something to do with, that's okay. Right? And again, we're only going to do it for like, we'll do a little bit. Everyone gets happy, then we'll go right. But if you're doing it on your own, it's all weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, who are you dancing with? You're trying to maintain. I say, Cindy, like, you're on a dance floor. Maintaining eye contact is the weirdest thing. Right. So remember like, your reception, Cindy. Like, you, you know, you do the, and then you're like, oh, this is awkward. Like, we want this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Then you move back, and it's just, it's just weird, man. It's just weird. Which is why you stick to your partner. That's nice and easy. You look at each other enough. If you don't look at each other, it doesn't make the other person. It's fine. I'm giving the point of view for when you don't drink. When you drink, they don't know what they're doing anyway, man. It's fine. Last week we were talking about DJing. So me and Indy did a bit of DJing or family events. I remember one event where everyone was pissed on dance or family event. And we had a proper, you know, Bangar music? Yeah. Bins up here. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, Jarta Lipa song, there's all the most Jarta song there is, right? And that's how I'm just going to mess with them, right? Just men on the dance floor. Now, put Jay Sean write it on. And they didn't realize, but they realized the song had gone slower. So they changed. They had happened. They don't say. They were like, like getting the fuck with each other. And I was like, this, like, if I am basically existed, I just basically existed. Like, this is content, man. Wow. And it was just really funny, man. I was like, that's it. You mess with me, man. I keep giving these bloody song requests. Never happy. And now I'm going to mess with you by playing Jay Sean Ryan. So that's a good pet peeve, though. The dancing, the dancing. What's your pet peeve? Well, I'm in charge of this whole thing, so I can skip ahead because in the interest of time. So I'm just going to duck out on that one. Okay. I share Goran's thoughts, though, and sentiments about um, dancing. I don't like being told to dance. Like, I want to do it when I want to do it. Oh, I'm the same. But because people know that I can, mm. there's this expectation on me, like, do it. And I'm like, no, mm. you can't fucking tell me what to do. Then my back gets up and then mm. I'm like, I really don't want to do it. Yeah, because, because you were kind of rude about it. Yeah. And if I want to, I will. I'll be there. I'll be on the floor. I'll do the... Yeah. I'll do the clapping. Clap, clap, I'll, I'll be one of the many, but I don't want to be standing out. So uh -huh. I just want to chill and just have a nice evening. But no, there's a sensation. You've got to do it. You've got to dance. You've got to do the mumbling. Why are you doing it? Etc. It's just like, fuck. You're a good dancer. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. I saw you dance at Indy's reception. I was very impressed. Thank you. Thanks. That, again, was one of the scenarios where it was like everyone was taking their turn to be in the middle of a circle, which is super awkward. Shouldn't happen. But I saw you do it and you helped down. Um, but I don't like being told to dance. Yes. I agree. See? We all share the same sentiments. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I really don't like being told to dance at weddings where most people don't dance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, then it's like then it's like you're almost like performing on the levels here. That's, you know. The levels down here, yeah. and if you dance properly, it's down there. If people were on the floor and it was here, you doing that little bits, all right? No, but if I'm at a wedding where most people don't dance, then um, I'm I'm not there to like I'm not hired entertainment. Basically, you know. <laughs> I'm not signature, yeah. Ben. <laughs> I'm not signature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got one last question, which Can is... Uh, introduce it. It's a question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me introduce it. Go on, do it. Before, before that, though. So, COVID, um, working in hospital, saving lives are in. And uh, now I'll ask you, because you open your B as well. So, when I'm taking the history, asking a person why they're here, sometimes I need to ask about their bowel and urinary habits, right? So, what's the word for urination, when you'll be sharp, sharp, right? So, I'm like, um, sharp tikata or whatever, you know, dalda or whatever, is it burning, whatever. And then I was like, okay, so how do I ask about number two? Oh, right. Okay. So, is that tati on that? Yeah, and I was like, potty or tikka? Like, we use potty, but that'd be all tati as well. You have to tati on the like, And then you try and action a pitcho tikka there. And then the guy said, so this is a, somebody speaks Urdu, like, bada pashab tikka. Bada pashab. Bada pashab tikka. And I'm like, no, no, I don't need to know you're having a big piss. <laughs> so I was so confused with AIDS. And then my uh, Pakistani consultant comes in and he's like, no, no, bada pashab means. 
I, I, I mean, I'll bugs funny. I've never heard of this before. Okay, maybe really? it's not hostile, but all the guys, all the backhand guys, they're like, yeah, yeah, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, Punjabi, Punjabi, it's so rude. Like, dirty, And then you know, Urdu is like, you know, it's the it's language of shiny. And I was like, it's very oh. soft. But not for shout. It's yeah. so soft. How would you say number two? I, I would say, like, dirty would be the would be, be the good yeah, yeah, Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it would be. But the thing is, I'm Punjabi, so and my family's from Lahore, so the, oh, capital, the yeah. so the Punjabi Urdu merges together. What? So yes. quite a lot of the vocabulary is I don't know if it's Urdu or Punjabi. It's just a mashup of the two together. Yeah. So I. But everyone understands it. That's the thing. But I might never have experienced Bada Bishop. Bada Bishop. Bada. Bada. Bada Al Jal. Right. What else have I learned from Urdu? Masla. This is Masla, so a problem. Masla, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever, you know. So how many years? Uh, yeah, as it's been happening for uh, how many times do you take medication? So this is super useful stuff. Yeah. And then beyond that, Urdu then becomes Punjabi. You know? Yeah, so, so I sound really angry. My level. I've already solved any problem here. My problem is that I'm Punjabi with Shurukar that I'm going to Urdu. I'm going to Urdu. मैं दूसरी तरफ करता हूँ। Beautiful, beautiful. Take that light card and run with it. क्योंकि मेरे कार विच सारे सारे जे वड्डे गिने वो सारे पंजाबी विच कल कर देने पर जे सारे बच्चे गिने वो उर्दू में जवाब देते हैं। अच्छा। और सारे गाल कर सकते हैं अपने आप से। समझ सब सब न्यू समझ लग दी है। तो बोल भी सकते हैं। बोल या पंजाबी या उर्दू understand everything you're saying in Punjabi. And I understand everything but, you're saying in Urdu. Yeah, yeah, but my, so my response will be a mixture of the two. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's more confusing for me. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we don't know the minds. But so and then new word today. Go, teach me. I think you should have guftagu. Guftagu? Yeah, guftagu. Right, that sounds like a fun word. What we've been doing for however long we've been sat here is a very casual guftagu. Is it? Why is it? Like around it's just conversation. Yeah. Guftagu. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't mean conversation. It means conversation. So we say galabat. Galabat, maybe it comes from the same thing. Guftugu. Shopping walk. Shopping walk. No, Guftugu is one word. Oh, it's one word. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's actually a real word. You know, like Salman Khan made a word. Pungi. Pungi is a real word. Pungi, no. It's a little cripple. No, it's Guftugu. No, that's what it means, but it's not real. No, it is real. No, no. Pungi. I think it is. Pungi is not a real word. I use it all the time, but I know it's not a real word. No, there's a whole song called Pungi. Yep. No, no, but that's just endorsing the fact this word is now. We're trying to make it. No, I think Pungi. Salman Khan has invented Pungi. I might have to search this. I think. I think it is a real word. Pungi. I don't think it is, man. What? Have you heard this? No. Pungi mean. Pungi originates. Yeah. It's a musical instrument. Pungi is a wind instrument traditionally made from a gourd played by snake charmers in India. Basically, a snake charmer. Yep. Oh, it's not a nipple cripple. No, but it is that. I know exactly. That's why I did this. Okay, I know it's a pungi, right? But then here, I'm going to give you a pungi. It's a salon kind thing. There are some words we just, we've just, you know, we they just we've adopted. We've adopted. We have adopted. So I got on the shop floor the other day, and uh, one of my uh, friends and consultants, he creeps up on me and uh, he says, "Chance, we watching all your content. You and Indy love it." And he said, um, "Where I consume your content is when I'm sitting on the toilet." So that's great. You know, a bit of TMI there, but um, but thank you for watching. And he put a question to us, which is, what is your toilet routine and habit? Specifically, we're going to talk about Mbarapashaldo. Because I'll add a little side question here. Number one, are you standing or do you sit down sometimes in number one as well? That's a big question. That's a big question. Do you know, I've, I'm not a sit-downer. 
I'm, I, I'm no, sit so down. I don't, I don't want to miss, so I sit down. Um, yeah, bro, like, how the could you have, man? Can you up, man? Can you not aim, man? Pig, you can, but still, there's a margin for error in it. When you sit down, how only margin for error is you missed the game. I just think life is easier. So you sit down. It's just quite... See, I sit down, but not for the reason of missing. I think it's just more enjoyable. Uh, it's just... It, yeah, it's more better all around. It's more enjoyable because you don't miss. No, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, if you're in a urinal, you don't... What, do you start pissing on the other guy next to you? I don't go see a urinal. I sit in the toilet. If I can. Actually, in public. No, bro, you're not using it as a sitting. I take that back. I take that Thank back. you. I take that back. What happened at Carnival? Huh? What happened at Carnival? Oh, what happened at Carnival? I'm not doing that. You got intimidated by Carla next to him and couldn't pee. Yeah, a first time I ever had like a solid nervous bladder. So basically, a carnival. So you have these like <laughs> I can't go. They have these like temporary trays to piss it. Yeah. yeah, and they're like school toilet ones, but they're pop up. <laughs> and you're queuing up to go, but as I was gonna piss, I see the guys next to me that are like obviously have much longer pieces of equipment than I do, and some of them stank of set. And I'm thinking stank, stank of set. Yeah, and I'm like I can't. I can't go. Like, I need the gentleman. Apparently, you can smell that. <laughs> oh, Deans, you, you can smell that. I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I can't go. I physically can't. I tried so hard, and my body just like, yeah, you know what you do? Why wouldn't you work? Why wouldn't you work? But the is, mate, it was close. It was like that. So I had to up and leave and go. I had to go. I didn't go. And then I waited for a, a, um, a portal party. Yeah. Yeah. I went in there. That was worse, but at least I had privacy and I could go properly. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're in public, mm. use the urinals. Yeah, yeah. If you're at home, sit down. Sit down. Yeah, 100%. Not for missing reasons for comfort. Right. Now, but up a shell, you have to sit down. Yeah, you have to sit down. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a question with that one. Sorry, mate. Do you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about, you know, in India where they have the cleans and you, you squat and... Which are... I should to put for you, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be. I, I know someone, actually, who <laughs> in the UK... Or climbing his toilet. Yeah, you get stools as well, right? You get stools in the UK that you can position so it looks like you're squatting. Yes. I don't know. I've heard about that. The well, yeah. Okay. Fine. Don't know if it's an Amazon bestseller, but yeah. it's just, you know what? Did you get on Prime Day? Don't you know what it is? I'm not sure. I've asked him before, so he ordered his answers. But room number two. Well, that's what we do in toilet. But you know when you come to cleaning number two? Yeah. What's your tech is, man? How you get How you get in the party? That's what I want to know. No, I've got, I've got a lot done. So we've defined it I've got a jug, jug lotta. I went to his flat at uni. He had. I had a, a lotta from day one of uni. Yeah. It was part of the the blessing of the flat was with the the good agents. You got to get the lotta. There was one time his flatmate hadn't bought the toilet roll and he saw her go to the toilet and come out. He's like, "How you go? There's no." Like, I mean, that's very impractical. Like, well, magic. He, didn't he said, "He said lotta, isn't it?" And he showed <laughs> the that, that, that was impractical because well, you still need. Yeah, yeah. There was paper, but if there is none, you're not. Fully um, clean. This is the most ridiculous conversation <laughs> I've ever had on record. But uh, yeah, you need Lord. Yeah, Lord. So you want to know the next level up is from Lord. Yeah. The shower. Yeah, man. The bidet. The and how could they? No, bidet and the shower are different, though, right? In the UK, they call it a handheld bidet, which is what you're talking about. The little. No, but have you had like, the real? The real, yeah. The Italian, you go and hops up. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a different one. That's the Japanese one you're talking about. The pipe, the pipe. Well, we're up. talking about toilets. Uh, you know the Dubai toilets that have uh, bum heaters as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Amazing. Yeah. They're actually, I don't know why they're not more of a thing in the UK because we're colder here expensive. in the UK. Expensive. Oh. My cousin has a Japanese toilet which costs, I think, between two and three K. And what's... And it does... Three K? Yeah, bro, like... Well, what does it do? It does, it, like the pipe comes out, it's got a bunny, turned up bunny. Um, so there's that end. And then when you go to European countries, you've got the separate bidet where, you know, you go to the hop. That's very impractical. It's very impractical. But the handheld, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Game changer. But they, they're quite common. Like, most my family homes have the shower. It's so good. It's yeah. so good, isn't it? I actually think that they are too enjoyable sometimes. It's about the pressure. Like, you know, you got the tutti, right? And you're filling with the tutti. Obviously, if you have no tutti, then there's no pani that comes out like this, which is basically like a lot of Yeah. And then, obviously, when you don't know, you open the full tutti and then you put it on. When you got pani coming out the front as well. So, this is a true story. The, the <laughs> showers, yeah. they uh, leak too often. All right, so at my nanny and nana's house, they have a shower, yeah. the, the shower yeah. in the downstairs bathroom, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been leaking for too long. So every time I look at it, I look at it with sadness because I think about the possibility of how yeah, good it could be, but it's constantly yeah. switched off now. So I'll I leaking. Do, look, have to make do with the Lord Duh. On that note, it's time to end the episode. People, thank you for listening. Haroon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, man. I, I don't know if this was a good idea or not, but I had a lot of fun. It's been fine, man. Don't worry about it. People, please like the video. Please share it with anyone else who is a big Haroon Machine fan. I'm sure you're going to know something. Also, I do want to say, like, I do love what you two are doing. I love that you're having honest, open conversations. I love that you're not holding back. I love that you are not scared of talking about things that actually, as British Asian men, you either are not taught to talk openly about yeah. or don't feel comfortable talking openly about so yeah. I think it's great not so happy about the toilet chat at the end but that's okay, okay man anything's possible <laughs> alright guys catch you next week in a bit <laughs>